tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, hello, good morning, everyone. And happy Mother's Day to all the women out there who have loved people and helped people and challenged people and mentored others in life. Today is your day two, and, um, you know, there are many women that I admire, but my mom tops them all. And before I tell you about my mom, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Lorena Salcedo, and um, I am the kids pastor here. Yay! And we have, we have a lot of fun with the children. Um, but yes, I admire my mom, and um, she's awesome. <laughs> she has taught me to live Psalm 100. I don't ever remember her explaining the psalm to me in words. Uh, Maybe we read it together in church once, like we read it today. But I just watched her live out Psalm 100. And I forgot to bring my tissue. But (laughs) verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. And that is a command. In fact, in this psalm, there are seven commands One, make a joyful noise or shout, woo, right? Two, serve the Lord with gladness. Three, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Four, know or remember or recognize that the Lord is God. Five, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Six, give thanks. And seven, bless his name. And I watched my mom do all of these things growing up. But the one that stands out to me the most is is how she served. It was a joy for her to serve. She never complained and she never made excuses. She always did more than what was asked of her. And and my church growing up was in in LA, Los Angeles. And, you know, the congregation was was mostly poor immigrant community. Uh, So every Sunday, uh, different women prepared food to sell outside of our our church door because, you know, it wasn't the parking lot. It It was a main street right out there. And so the women every Sunday would take turns to cook and then sell food to raise funds. Because the offerings were enough. So let's sell some food, you know. And so um, it, it was always a joy for her to do that. And I always loved eating out on the street. Something about eating with your church family on the street. It was awesome. And all the great Latin American food, like that is where I learned how to eat all the Latin American food that I know today. <laughs> it was so good. Um, and so my mom would always pride herself in cooking, and she wouldn't just cook. It was cooking for the Lord's work. And when she was all said and done, she never churned in her receipts. You know, you go spend money, right? And, and the women would get reimbursed for their expenses, but she would never churn those in. She gave everything, and she gave it all with joy. And we didn't have much. It's not like she had the luxury of doing that. She was a housekeeper. Several times a week, she'd clean two to three houses a day. And during the summer, I'd have to tag along with that, you know. And um, she also, anybody here know Shackley? So she was, yeah, I want Pastor Mike. <laughs> she'd go door to door. and she'd, she'd sell Shackley. And I grew up on Shackley vitamins. Um, so she worked really, really hard. My mom's service was worship, serving the Lord with gladness, as the psalmist said. And that's what service is. It's an act of worship. You can't separate service 
from worship. There's a commentator that says, service is a word which leaves, there's no gap between worship and work. If you do one without the other, they're just kind of both pointless. But when you work with heart towards the Lord, that is an act of worship. And I watched my mom do this. Now, this psalm was also written under the assumption that those reading it had experienced God and that they wanted to express their gratitude to him. So the psalmist is, is telling people how to do that, giving them instructions. Instructions. So, so how many commands were in the psalm? You remember? I heard somebody say it again. Seven. There's seven. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks and bless his name. And maybe some of you here this morning are asking, why? Why, why do we have to do all those things? Why should I follow the instructions of that psalm? And verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God is good. But what does it mean that God is good? What does it mean to be good? So we're going to jump to the New Testament to find the answer. And that's the Apostle Paul writing to the people in Philippi, encouraging them to be humble and to consider others more significant than oneself, as Jesus had done. So in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we read this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. That always gets me. He emptied himself out of everything. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, he didn't have to do that. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, comma, pause, think about it. It wasn't just death. It was the most excruciating form of death, even death on a cross. So a good God isn't one, a good God is one who isn't self-centered, right? It's not just all, it's all about me, I, me, me, me. No, a good God is like Christ. So he serves others deeply. A good God isn't one who only thinks about himself. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave he loved, so he gave. And what did he give us? He gave us his son who was willing to sacrifice himself in the worst death imaginable to free us from the payment of sin and death and give us new life. For the Lord is good, says verse 5. His steadfast love endures forever. So God's love is never ending and it is sacrificial. And I think of my mom and all the sacrifices she made for my siblings and me. <clears throat> when I was four, my father decided he was going to leave. And so he left. My brother was nine, my sister was 15, and my mom was left a beautiful single woman at 40 years. She could have dated and started a new life, right? Do you, start over, do your life again. But she didn't care about her life. She cared about the life of her children. 
And she knew that if she brought another man home, the risk of abuse towards their children was was too high. And she wasn't willing to take that. So she denied herself. And now that I'm in my 40s and I'm single, I realize at a much deeper level how great a sacrifice that was for us. You know, I can't help but think of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 that says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How often are we sacrificing our bodies for the Lord? I know that like me, you know, many other single women out there, you know, my mom probably had her moments where where she dreamed or she she wished of a Prince Charming, you know, that would come and whisk her off her feet and make all her dreams come true. But she knew and she still knows that the only true Prince Charming is Jesus Christ. No matter who comes and who goes, what boy or what girl had hurt us, she'd tell us, mija or mijo, which means daughter or little child. No más sin Dios no se vive. Like that. Okay. <laughs> no más sin Dios no se vive. Yes, mom. That means the only person you can't live without is Jesus Christ. So let everybody else go. All right, mom. I will be forever grateful to her for that selfless choice for presenting herself as a living sacrifice to God. And again, verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord God is better than anyone and anything. So as you listen to this next song, ask yourself, is there someone or something that is taking the place of God in my life right now? My name is Susan Peterson, and I just have to say, when your babies or toddlers call you mom, it's the sweetest, most amazing thing ever. Your heart practically explodes with joy, right? And then when they get older and they call you mom, 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 mommy, 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 and they don't stop, your head explodes for different reasons. So I am the mom of three boys. When I was, when my kids were younger, they actually had a group for that called M-O-B, Mothers of Boys, which also stands for MOB, which I think is a great acronym for it. My boys are actually men right now. They are 35, 32, and 30 years old, and they are all married to delightful young women. I homeschooled my boys through high school. And when I first started back in 1995, my mom, who had been a school teacher, told me ever so encouragingly, Susan, you don't have the patience. Thank you, mom, I know. Thank you, thank you for that. I think when we hear the word mom in relation to our own moms, we probably have an immediate feeling associated with that word, depending on your relationship with your mom. It could be a warm and fuzzy feeling, or a sad feeling, or hurt, or angry, or joyful, happy, any mixture of that, any combination of those things, and more. The first verse of Psalm 100 in my my version says, shout for joy to the Lord. And I thought when I read this, I've got that. I've got that first part of shouting. I thought, oh, then there's the rest of that sentence too. 
the word joy leapt out at me because it's one of the words I associate with my mom. 16 years ago, when my dad went to a veterans hospital in Long Beach, my mom came to live with us so she could be closer to my dad. And we didn't know how long my dad would be there, whether he'd be going home soon or not or, or whatever. We just didn't know. Turns out that he was there for six months before he died. And my mom visited him every day in the hospital all day long. And then she would come home to our very busy, very noisy household because besides homeschooling my kids, we also had one of my son's friends living with us sleeping on the couch because we were out of rooms. When my mom came home, we'd all eat around the dinner table and she would laugh and join in the conversation and just have a blast. So a few weeks into this, I asked her, how do you do it, mom? How do you go see dad all day long, every day, who is paralyzed from the neck down, unable to communicate well, and then you come home to this chaos and you're so joyful. And she turned and she looked to me and she said, it's how I choose to live. It's what I choose to do. And I thought, wow, those words both stunned me and made me cry because they're so powerful. What a powerful choice that she did. In Job 10.1, Job laments and says, I loathe my own life. I will give full vent to my complaint. I will speak in bitterness of my soul. And some people live like this in complaining and in bitterness, and some might be justified in doing so. While everyone faces hardships of some sort beyond just mere inconveniences, some people experience excruciatingly difficult situations and seasons of life, so it would be valid for them to give full vent. Yet, it's not how we're called to live, because Philippians 2.4 counters Job by stating, commanding perhaps even, do everything without complaining or arguing, everything meaning everything. My mom died four years ago, and on one of my last visits to her in the nursing home, she and I were sitting outside, and it was a gorgeous day. Her feet hurt, so she couldn't walk anymore. A lot of body parts just weren't working the way when they were younger. I think some of us can relate to that. She said, my legs hurt, followed by, what was that over there? Because she couldn't see very well either. And then she started to complain a bit more. And then suddenly she stopped and she muttered to herself, no. And she sat up straighter in her wheelchair. She looked at the sky and she looked all around. And then she smiled and she said emphatically, isn't it a lovely day? Look how blue the sky is. Look at the white fluffy clouds. Isn't this incredible? And I thought, my mom chose to live a joy-filled life, not out of ignorance or simple-mindedness, but as a thought-out, intentional choice. And that's the same choice that you and I have offered to us. If that choice seems impossible for you to make on your own today for whatever reason, continue surrendering yourself to Jesus, asking him to do it for you. Because Psalm 51.12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He'll do this for you because he likes you. You're actually one of his favorites. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. There are so many ways to express joy, aren't there? By shouting, 
by worshiping God, by worshiping God through music, by choosing to live in joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances, and by passing joy, not complaints, onto others. What a difference there is being around joyful people rather than those who complain, right? We all kind of know that difference. We believers, when we exhibit joy, that is a testimony to who our God is. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. My mom bequeathed her joy of the Lord to all of us in my family. And we all honestly still talk about that, how she lived it out and how she reminds us and it how she reminds us of that and how it reminds us to make that same choice. My mom was one of my best friends. So when she died, I wasn't sure how I was supposed to feel or how I was supposed to react or respond. And I think maybe there isn't a supposed to as everyone responds to grief differently. In our grief, it's okay to cry and it's okay to not cry. Mourning and sorrow show up at really odd, sometimes unexpected times and places, don't they? Stirred up by memories or smells or longings of our heart or family get-togethers. I discovered that the sharp edges of grief are softened by the comfort and love given to us from others and mostly by God's gracious compassion. He is near to the brokenhearted. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and shield. Growing up, my two sisters and I talked a lot about our parents behind our back because that's what siblings do, right? We just do those things. We recognize my dad's strength because his determination to make things happen, to work hard and to push through difficult things. And you you just get over things. That's what we were told. You be active and you do things. I might take after him. We were slower to recognize my mom's strength because we misunderstood what the word strength meant and its subtleties. Strength isn't just about getting up and going, although I think that's important, but sometimes strength is choosing the harder route. Strength is serving others. When my mom, when we ate around the dinner table, my mom was always the last one to serve herself. When we went out to eat, she was always the last one in line. And I thought for the longest time, I guess she's just not hungry. So I'm a little slow in picking things up. Strength is purposely choosing to be joyful when it would be easier to be bitter or to complain or to collapse into ourselves. Strength is choosing joy to serve others above ourselves. These qualities, joy, strength, and serving others are intertwined. They are powerful and lovely gifts originating in Christ, and they are choices He gives us to make. Besides recognizing God through joy, strength, and serving, we are to do as Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I still miss my mom, but when I think of her, I'm sad for a little bit, but truly I land on being thankful. I'm so thankful that God gave her to me to be in my life. And as this is Mother's Day, there's a natural emphasis on moms, yet more than an ode to my mom, who would have loved an ode to her, by the way, this is really an ode to God for who he is every single day. A thankful response, not just for what he's done in our lives, but really truly for who he is. 
I was sharing with a group of teenagers last week that if my kids had realized when they were younger that if they had said thank you to me more often, they would have gotten so many more things and so many more freedoms. And one girl asked, do you have to mean it? She said, what if I said thanks? And I looked, I said, I speak sarcasm, so I think I would have known you're not very genuine with that. But just like other responses, being thankful is a choice. We don't have to say thank you to others, but we should, and what a difference it makes. When we say thank you with our lips, it changes our hearts to feel that way too. For instance, when I say thank you to my husband for the big things or the little things that he's done, my heart responds with responds with feeling more thankful for him. And this is a good thing. We need to say thank you to people more often. And we need to say thank you to God. We don't have to say thank you to God, although we're commanded to do so. We have choices and there are consequences. More than that, God deserves our thanks. When we say thank you to God and follow through with living out a thankful life, when gratefulness becomes embedded in our spirits, walls that we have erected around our hearts, maybe that we haven't even known we've erected, they just crumble. They just fall away. Weights and burdens that we carry are discarded. And instead of that, there is lightness and peace. Thankfulness replaces ungrateful attitudes and hardness of heart. And joy replaces anger, bitterness, or jealousy. God specifically tells us to do these things. He says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, to give thanks to him and praise his name because it transforms us from the inside out and it honors him and glorifies him. Worshiping him through praise and thanksgiving is a way he designed us to be. And when we choose to be thankful, it changes not only how we experience God, but how we share with others how wonderful our God is. We do these things, being joyful, relying on God's strength, serving others, and being thankful and praising him. Because verse five of our Psalm says, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. God is a good God. Even in the midst of God is good. It is simply his character. It is his very nature. I think that we often confuse God being good with our own definition of good. We mean that God is good if he does the things that we want him to, and probably in the way we ask, pray, demand that he does those things. His goodness, however, is not dependent on what he does or doesn't do when we ask. His goodness isn't up for debate. It's not up for vote, no matter who says that. He simply and absolutely is good. God inherently being good slices through our short-sighted desires, going far, far beyond that to what is true, what is really good for us, what is the best for us, each of us in every situation and in every relationship. Romans 8.28 promises, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And God always keeps his promises, every single one of them, every single time. God's goodness is an utterly reliable, unshakable, rock-solid truth. Lastly, from verse 5, is his faithfulness continues through all generations. God has been faithful since creation, and he will continue to do so, because like goodness, he is intrinsically faithful. 
the older I get, the more I'm realizing we only have this much time on earth. And I don't mean that in a morbid way, but I do mean that in a wake-up call way and an urgent desire to share the gospel way because next stop, eternity. What do we do then with the time that we have left? What do we do then with today even? We respond to God's goodness. Pastor Mike read a few weeks ago from 2 Peter 1, 4, where it says we can participate in the divine nature. Beyond being merely observers, we have the marvelous adventure of being participant in God's divine nature. This is awesome. We can participate when we share the gospel by the choices that we make, choosing joy, choosing strength in God, choosing to serve others, choosing to be thankful to God and to praise him and choosing to love in words and actions. I have been blessed to have a mom who exemplifies Christ. And I know that not everybody has that, but each one of us has been blessed by having a savior who loves us relentlessly and unconditionally. He is a good, good God. I could stop there, but I have an allowable addendum on my time of sharing this morning because it's like a bonus announcement because the focus is on women today. I am head of Bloom, which is a branch of women's ministry, and our desire is Christ, connection, and community. And we want our women here at Neighborhood Church, Bloom, um, the branch, and beyond to be more connected to Christ because we need one another. So to facilitate this, we're having a great event next Saturday May 14th from nine o'clock in the morning to 12, 15 ages, junior high through senior citizens are welcome. Grandmothers, moms, aunts, um, sisters, daughters, every female that you can think of, please invite them. The event is called Walking in Wisdom. And we have fantastic speakers coming to speak. We have Suzanne McEldry. We have Katie Williams, who is our missionary. We have, we have Anna Gustafson. I hope I said that last name right. We have Haley Barker. Woohoo! We have Debbie Wyatt and we have Randy Clary. And they are all going to come and speak about their seasons of life and their careers. So I really invite you women, please come. We have a light brunch, time of worship, and we have a craft that if you were to buy it on Etsy, cost $25. The cost for the whole event, for you to come and do the craft, for listening to the wonderful speakers, worship and, and, and light brunch food is only $10, which is fantastic. So the last thing, men, this is directed towards you. If, oops, you haven't gotten your, your mom, your wife, a woman in your life, um, a Mother's Day gift, or just because you like her, come visit the booth outside and we can set you up for only $10. See you in the lobby. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. Um, my name is Haley Barkley, and I am going to be moving us into a time of giving now. Um, and in doing that, I also want to share a little bit about my mother. Uh, my mother's name is Kathy, uh, and uh, I currently live a thousand miles away from her. She still lives with my father in my hometown in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and when I think of my mother, as I, I'm sure so many of us can think of the women are in our lives this way. There is such a selflessness to my mother. Um, I am not a mother yet myself. I know I, I can't even begin to fully comprehend the amount of giving my mother has bestowed upon me during my life. Um, and yet at the same time, when I, the parts of it I can't understand, I am so humbled by. Uh, my mother 
was born and raised on a dairy farm in a very, very rural area of Oregon. Um, and they grew up uh, with very, very little. And it was a lot of hard work um, from dawn until dusk. Um, and when I think about uh, the way my mom views the world, even after spending so much of her her childhood, all of her childhood, um, in a place where things were not easy, um, things were not always beautiful, um, that there were a lot of things left wanting. Um, my mother exemplifies the the eyes of Christ and how she sees this world. And that through that is how she gives. Um, when I was a little girl, uh, as you can see up there, my, um, my mother, I think, gave me the most magical childhood because she shared one of the gifts the Lord had given her, which is her creativity. Um, growing up, I, I don't even know how to explain how every day was made magical by the way my mom talked about the world, um, by the things that she created, the imagination she used with me, uh, that I was brought up to see the world in, I think, a really beautiful way because my mom prioritized sharing the gifts the Lord gave to her and she prioritized seeing the world as the, God sees it. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. She has been endlessly giving with these gifts that she has. Um, most recently, uh, at my wedding, my my husband and I, we decided we were not going to do a a, a, a planned wedding in the sense there was there was no venue, um, there's no one uh, professional staff helping us. Uh, we got married in a tiny little park in my hometown. And my mother, she went above and beyond. Um, I think I have a couple of photos of that as well. Um, she helped plan everything and she made the day the most beautiful day. The, the flowers at my wedding, let me tell you, she did all the flower arrangements and she had never done flowers before, but her, her gift for creativity, even though it was an intimidating task, she bestowed that upon me on my wedding day and made it I'm biased, but one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever been to, the most beautiful. Um, and I am just so, so grateful for how she has endlessly given, um, given her love, her her endless condition, unconditional love, and also given her gifts. Um, and I think it's so easy sometimes for us to forget the gifts that we're given and that those are ways in which we can show our own love and God's love by sharing our gifts with each other. Uh, I am humbled to be the daughter of someone who not a day has gone by in my life that my mother has not utilized her distinct, unique gifts um, to, to benefit my life and to benefit the lives of everyone around her. And in that neighborhood church, it is time to give. <laughs> and I, I think it's important to remember that so often we can think of giving as just financial giving. And although that is something that is so important, um, the, that to remind ourselves that what we've been given financially is not ours, that we are, we are so blessed by how the Lord provides, that this is also true with the gifts that the Lord has given us. Um, and I, I just want to encourage, I think that um, I know so many women in my life who have really instilled this in me, the idea of um, 
using what I have to give, even if it feels like maybe I'm not in a financial place to be able to give, finding the other ways that I can serve and praise and worship the Lord in giving through my own skills, um, my own gifts. And so I just want to impart that in all of you today. Um, Maybe that's something about a way of giving that you don't think about very often. And I'd encourage you to maybe really delve into that. If See if there are ways that you could be giving in those ways too. I, I know for myself, it makes giving all the more fuller um, in how I, I benefit from the giving and the, the joy and the, the wondrous connections I get through giving. Um, so yes, if you would bow your heads with me, I am going to pray over the offering that will be going on in just a moment. Lord, thank you so much for the ways in which you have provided for all of us, um, both in the ways and the tangible ways, Lord, but also in the intangible, in the special gifts, the special talents, um, the special passions that you have designed each of us with, Lord, um, that these are gifts that you have provided with uh, provided us as well. Thank you for the people, the connections that you provide to us, Lord. It can be so easy to forget that your provision knows no end and that everything we have in this world is because of you, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to to please, uh, you know, soften our hearts, Lord, and remind us that everything we have, be it money, be it possessions, be it gifts, and be it the people we love, Lord, that they are all from you. Um, Let us not hold tightly to them, Lord, but instead remind us to be open-handed with what you have given. I pray over this offering as the baskets will be going around, Lord, um, that also as we give, Lord, that those who will be making decisions with, with the giving, Lord, that their hearts will also be reminded that it is all to your glory. Let it always be for you, Lord. Let us use everything tangible and intangible that you have given us, Lord, to your glory. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.